Um, God, I just thank you, God, for um, just bringing us together, God. Um, w- whether we're here for the first time or we've been here for the 30th time, God, and, and, or whether we're here visiting from afar just this one time or whether we will come back, God, whatever the situation is, God, um, you are meeting us right here, right now by your spirit. I pray that you forgive our trespasses, God. I pray that you will bring forth your healing, God, in our hearts, that we may be ready to listen to your voice, God. Even through me, just just a broken vessel, just as sinful as anyone, God, could be in. But you choose to, to just utilize people that are broken and, and that are sinful just to bring forth your good news, the gospel. Um, that penetrates every area of our lives. So, God, we just pray um, these things. Uh, we may leave this place not the same way we've come into this place, but that we will leave this place with a transformed heart. Um, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, one of, one of the thoughts that came to mind is that um, maybe this is your first time hearing this whole thing about good news or gospel of Jesus Christ. Or, or, or maybe you've heard about this whole thing about Jesus, God coming to the earth, right? Becoming human, living the life we should have lived um, perfect without sin and dying the death. We should have died because of the consequences of our sin, of who we are, just our thoughts. Even if we act upon them or not, our hearts are just corrupted. We always want things for self, not really for the other, even if we're in a relationship. Uh, Or even if we do stuff, it's so that we can feel good about ourselves at the end of the day, right? And and I can feel that I've done something good. It always goes back to the eye. But the gospel comes and and says, no, it's about the love of Jesus. And I want to challenge you today as as we hear this passage and this message. Is that the gospel is not just for the one that are hearing from the first time. There is areas of our life that we have not allowed the gospel to speak to. Every area of our lives that we are kind of like shaky or prideful is because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that grace, that undeserved favor, that sacrificial love has not touched that area of your life. The gospel is not for first timers that come into the altar and say, oh, Jesus, come into my life. It's that it penetrates every single area of our lives. So as we come in, I want you to come with that mentality, whether it's the first time or whether it's the hundredth time, because we need the gospel in areas of our lives that are broken. So going into, into today's message, though, um, we've, we've gone in through this Advent series, right? We'll, we'll be uh, looking, uh, we've been looking at how Jesus came to earth to both reconcile God's broken relationship with humankind and to fulfill his intentions with society. When God's mediators failed because of sin to establish a long lasting kingdom where the Lord reigned and his sacrificial love was embodied, even then God sent his son, 
on the first Christmas to become the fulfillment, to become the ultimate mediator as a king, as a prophet, and as a priest. There we go. Oh, all right. So, so we've been looking at Jesus becoming that fulfillment. Though the mediators failed, he came to fulfill that. And today we'll look at, we've, we've looked at how uh, Jesus uh, came as a king and as a prophet in the form of a baby, right? And that's represented through the Magi, the wise men, the very known story of the wise men coming and giving these gifts that represented Christ's kinship, lordship, which we heard on our first sermon of this mini-series of Christmas about Jesus as the king. Then we heard from Kuv about Jesus as a prophet, the mouthpiece of Jesus. And today I'm going to, we're going to finish our time as Jesus as the ultimate priest, right? And, and, and as we saw in the past couple of sermons, God used different mediators to first ratify his reign of sacrificial love and justice through kings. The, the greatest representation of that, as we saw in the first Sermon was King David. And two, he also uh, used the mediators to speak his message of love and justice through the prophets. Uh, like uh, 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 Kuvi mentioned a bunch of them, but we have some, maybe it was like Moses was the first prophet, or Isaiah, who was a prophet, who prophesied the Messiah, Jesus, to come. But uh, here, his intended ways of community, God's intended ways of life on the world that is of both justice and love. And when I say love, I mean sacrificial love. Was embodied through the reign of King David and his words passed down through the prophets. But today, we will look at how the priests had to, the task to reconcile the already broken relationship between God and humanity because of sin. And how Jesus is indeed the ultimate reconciler since his birth, because the wise men knew who they were dealing with, because they were scholars, very wise people of the time, and they knew that they were bringing this to the king, to the prophet, to the priest, not just a king or a prophet or a priest, but the one who was to fulfill that. But anyhow... What are we getting into here? We, we have here the, the wise men and we have the three gifts, right? We talked about gold and mirror last time. Gold representing power for, and, 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 and wealth and, and as a king, right? And then we got mirror. Um, it represents the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And now we have the frankincense, right? That is a gift um, that the high priest uh, brought. Um, so who is a high priest, though? You know, you might ask. What is a high priest in the Old Testament? What, what does, maybe if you hear a priest, you think of a Catholic priest or Buddhist priest or some sort of priest, you know, who is sort of a mediator between, if you think about it, between God, because a priest hears from God or the gods, depending on the religion, and the people, right? Even in pagan cultures, even in other religions, the priests or priestesses were mediators between the gods and the people, right? And here we have in the, in the Israelites specifically, um, 
they had a high priest. They have, uh, and then we see that um, the frankincense signifies priesthood. So, um, what is a uh, high priest? A high priest is play, he played a key role in the religious system of the Israelites. He was the intercession between God and his people, acting as a representative before God. The priest offered sacrifices and gifts on behalf of the people to reconcile them to God. Why are we reconciling, you might be asking? Well, because you see what's going on in the world, right? You see war between Palestine and Israel, and we see all this death, and we see fam- famine. We, we see all these things, and it is all because of the pride of man and woman. It's all because of sin. We're trying to fulfill that void with anything else but which that which it was created for, that it was the creator himself who can fill that void in our hearts, that love that comes from God. But we try to fulfill it with power, with money. And even, even in political power, it means killing other people. Even in your personal life, it means cutting off friendship. It means getting mad to your spouse. It means trying to get to that promotion as far as you can. It is about having financial security. Whatever it is that we want to fulfill that, that it's an idol like we looked a couple weeks ago. Right? So, so that scene is what separated. And then the priest had to come and be the reconciler between God and the people. So that is what it's a priest or a high priest. Uh, we see here that uh, uh, we see here how um, he shall pour oil in it and put frankincense right uh, on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, a priest. With uh, and then it says and the sh- uh, and he shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense and the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion. On the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So here we have frankincense offered to Jesus. And we know that frankincense is, a, is utilized by the priest, right? As a burnt offering, as a sacrifice to God. Okay, and then we, we see this even farther in Exodus. Um, uh, God telling Moses to put a pure frankincense, make an incense blended. He says that... Uh, um, in that tent, when you put that, that incense, that's where I will meet you, it says. It shall be most holy for you, and the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourself. He's even saying that frankincense, because there were certain offerings that uh, people could uh, perhaps eat afterwards. But he says, okay, this one, frankincense, is reserved for me alone. Okay, it's, it's not to be used by you guys, even as a perfume. Because it's, it's just for God to receive this incense, you know, as, as an aroma of forgiveness for the sins of the people. So we have this that, it, 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 interestingly enough, it wasn't other sweet spices. It had to be the spice of frankincense, with, which is reserved for the forgiveness of sins of the people. And it's only reserved to be smelled by God alone, not by people, Right. Because it was from their sins, the forgiveness that God was giving to them. So it was reserved from God. And you can see that in this passage. So, um, so we see that at the end of the holy compartment of the tabernacle, right? 
So this is a tabernacle back in the days, right? When the high priest was there. You see there is a curtain, right? And then this is the incense. And then in the holy place, only the priest could go. And then in the Holy of Holies, that was a place that uh, only the priest could go once a year, right? And then we see here that uh, the priest was uh, interceding for the sins of the people and offering this sacrifice of aroma to the Lord, right? So, so then we see that, that, that at the end of the holy compartment of the tabernacle next to the curtain, dividing it off from the most holy place, the holy place from the most holy place, was located the incense altar, as we see According to the Book of Chronicles, there was also a similar incense altar in the temple. Later on, they built a temple. The tabernacle was when Israel was a mobile people. They would move around with the tabernacle. Then they built a temple that was more permanent on a place. There's similar structure to it. Now listen to this. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, coals from the altar were taken in a censer or fire holder together with two handfuls of incense into the Holy of Holies, where the incense was made to smoke before the mercy seat of the Ark of the Testimony, right? So once a year, the frankincense with all these other spices, but the frankincense, the scripture said it was pure frankincense, which is interesting. It doesn't say pure another kind of spice. It only mentions that frankincense had to be pure. So there's something about frankincense here. And then, and then once a year, they will go and sacrifice it. As an atonement, meaning the forgiveness of sin of people. All right, so that's just the background there, but let's get to it here. So, what really happened? What, why do we need, why is there a division in the first place between God and the people, between all of us and the divine, right? And that's what we see there as priests. First of all, that happened on Genesis 3, that intimacy was cut by sin. And as I say, sin is anything else that we try to fulfill the void in our hearts, that which is not God himself, which manifests on behavior. That is a wrongdoings that we do to fulfill just that stuff in it, in our hearts. So, so we see that uh, in Genesis 3, that the intimacy was caught by Eden's division by a sword of fire. God walked in the garden in the cool of the day, it says on verse 8, this is in the beginning of it all, God created Adam and Eve, two humans, and there wasn't division. There wasn't a need of a priest. There wasn't a need of a priest because there wasn't sin on the world. There wasn't sin. There wasn't a wrong being on the world. So then it says, that, okay, walk, walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. There was no separation between humanity and God. They walked together. They had direct access and relationship with the Lord God. But because of the fall, because of sin, God being both a just and two, a loving God, did not give them the full measure and consequence of their sin, which was to die right there and then. But he separated himself from humanity and put a sword of fire that they may not enter to the garden the place of intimacy and direct access and relationship with the Lord. So we see the first curtain, right? The first curtain was the sword of fire. The, and not just a sword of fire, but he also put two cherubims so that they may not enter, right? Into that Garden of Eden where they had that relationship because now of the injustice of sin, they were separated from God. 
Now, if you see here, remember this? What is, here? What is this? Two cherubims. They're talking about the fall. They're talking about the two cherubims now guarding the presence of God. Right? And, uh, and this is the first separation. Now, the most painful consequence for humanity's sin was not death. It was separation from God and humanity. So if you think of, if you see the scriptures, you always think of hell. How many know what hell is? Like they always talk about fire, right? And burning. And there is suffering. And yes, there is. But that's not the point. If you see scripture as a whole, you see that the most painful thing about, separ- about sin is a separation that we're no longer in the presence of God. That is the most painful thing. That is as bad as being burned. And guess what? It's not that God is putting you there. As we will think. We have a choice. To either be with him. Or not be with him. Right? We're choosing to be. Not to be on fire. But just. But it's more than that to be on the fulfillment, what, what our souls have been panting for, like the psalmist said. My soul panteth for, just as a deer panteth after water, wants to drink water because they are so thirsty. Imagine you after going to the gym for three hours and want water, right? Something like that. It, that is how my soul panteth after God. That's how much my soul needs it. We might not know it because of all the noise, but that's what we really our hearts be satisfied. Now, we see this. There is separation now. We can see Adam and Eve, they're leaving, not happy. And then, what happens afterwards? We see the tabernacle and the temple, right? Where God approaches humanity. Now, you have to understand this. We might think of God as this God that is so evil, that kicked out Adam and Eve and kicked out and then he put this holy of holies places separated. No, 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 no. Like it's we, we got it wrong, guys. We got it wrong. It's not like God is this very holy God and, and oh no, no, this priest and I, I if I speak bad then you know like if I swear you, you, you ever heard that like or maybe yourself you've been like oh no I'm not gonna swear before Pierre because he's a He's a priest of sorts kind of thing. Or, or, like, or like this other person because, you know, like they're holy. So I'm not like, it, yeah. But that's not the point of the Bible. It was never that. It was never about this work thing that you do and that, that the works that you always, good works. And there is this separation between this holy person, this holy church people and the unholy. And even they're not holy because I'm doing all this crap anyway. So whatever, you know. Like you can have all these perspectives. But at the end of the day, it's that... It is that God approaches humanity. God could have well prevented all the pain and suffering that we now see in the world. But just eliminating humanity because of the sinful thing they did. Which was they wanted to become like God. They wanted to be selfish enough to be like, you know what? I just want to be like God. I want to be just like Him. I want to be strong and powerful. That's why they, they took of the fruit. It's not like, oh, they disobeyed because they took of the fruit. Because God said, don't take of the fruit. Hence, humanity came and took of the fruit. And then they disobeyed. No, it's not about that. 
It's not about the wording, it's about the heart. They wanted the fruit not because God told them not to. It's because they wanted for themselves that power. For themselves that sense of like, I'm a God. We want to be like God. And that's essentially what sin is. We want to be our own mini-gods with all these idols pointing back to myself. And that's injustice. God was loving enough. He still had mercy so that he did not kill them right away. He was like, okay... I cannot live with injustice. I cannot live with this thing called sin because it's unjust. I'm just going to let you go. I'm even going to clothe you with these things. I'm going to have mercy and I'm going to see what can I do. And then what he did is, okay, I'm going to do a temple and and a tabernacle. Okay? He told Moses that later on the people of Israel went forth out of enslavement, whatever. And then the story of the people of Israel unveils. We see how God is on the pursuit of love to reconcile and be in relationship with humanity without compromising his character, which is both sacrificial love and justice. And we see this progressively through the Old Testament all the way until it reaches its climax to the Christ event. We first see how the Hebrews, when they were a nomadic people, right, Hebrew means nomadic, God commanded Moses to build him a tabernacle, right? They were still moving around as desert people. And he's like, okay, build me a tabernacle, said God. Where in Exodus 25, 31 is where he can dwell among the people. But if you see here, it says Exodus 25, 8. And let them make me. What does it say? Let us, let us say it all together. And let me make me a sanctuary. One, two, three. That I may dwell in their midst. God wanted. To dwell with us. He wanted you. He wanted you. He wanted you. It's not, oh, I'm going to do this tabernacle so separate myself from the people. And you know, like the Holy of Holies kind of thing. And the priest has to go, oh, do you pray before you, 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 you know, before you approach, oh, you got to pray because you're sinful, you know? Uh, like, I get that, but... It doesn't say that. The Bible does never say that. It says that I may dwell in their midst. I want to live. I want to do life with them. I want to live with the people. I cannot fully do that because I'm a just God. Because I don't like injustice. I cannot condone injustice. I mean, imagine if someone comes and, and does something wrong and, and then, you know, they get mad at someone and then they push them and then that person dies and then God is like, okay, you know what? You, you just were mad. You just were mad and you didn't mean to push, push you know, your brother off the cliff. It's okay. I got you. You know, no consequence. I don't think God is like, he, 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 there has to be a consequence for that action. There has to be a consequence for that madness that came through his mind. There has to be a consequence. There's, there's no, hence there's no justice, right? It's not like, oh, it's okay, everything's fine. But also not the other way over here in justice. Like, oh, yeah, you, you forget, you, you, you deserve death. Like, he deserve, you, you die blood by blood. You also die, boom, kill you right there. You know? No, no, no. It's, it's love and, and it's justice. This is what we see progressively in Scripture, that God was both love and justice, love and justice. He approached people. He knew because of justice he couldn't go all the way 
But he's like, I, I want to dwell with them. I want to compromise to dwell with them. Go ahead, get his hands dirty. Though holy chooses to dwell among the people in the tabernacle. Now listen to this. Um, I, I got this. This is not my words. This is the Bible project, which is a great resource. And, and they, they say this. They say the tabernacle flips a well-known Christian phrase that is a dangerous half-truth, which is that God cannot have anything to do with sin or sin cannot be in the presence of God. The tabernacle actually turns that over and says, no, God's purpose is to live among his people. That means God moves into sin. God stakes out a claim in the region of sin and dedicates it and redeems it by his holy presence. He came by his holy presence to redeem sin, approaching us. So as he, we know that happened with the tabernacle. We know as, as Israel settled in the temple, we see something similar. So now um, we see now the office of the priest as a mediator. What does that mean? In, in the tabernacle and temple, we see how there is a pattern and resemblance with the Garden of Eden. Remember, the curtain had to like... You know, we know that like it has two cherubims kind of like sewed into the curtain. And we also see in the Garden Eden, there was two cherubims with a sword of fire, sword of fire. Also, it's a curtain, the division. And then you see a lot of these things, a lot of patterns of the Garden of Eden with the tabernacle and the temple. Now, we see both elements of heaven and earth in them. Right. Eden is heaven. Right? And then tabernacle is kind of both, heaven and earth. Right? A place where heaven and earth meet, where heaven and earth are actually one. But unlike the Garden of Eden, though, where Adam and Eve had unlimited access, remember? In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have unlimited access with the Lord God. But in the tabernacle, as well as the temple, there were limited Edens. There was a limitation. Only one appointed high priest could enter once a year to represent the people of Israel and atone, meaning to ask for forgiveness for their sins. So this high priest will only go once a year to the presence of God to represent the people for the forgiveness of their sins. So there's a, a limitation now in this mini garden of Eden, if you will, like the tabernacle and, 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 and the temple. So then we see, though, we see that throughout the history of Israel, that there's a priestess mediator. But then we see, that, we see that the human priesthood fails. We see how God spoke through the prophets, right, last week. And how the sacrifices that were brought by the priests did no longer satisfy God. For some reason, it, it didn't. They were actually all meaningless. Again, injustice have taken place rather than, than justice and love, Right? Since the people of Israel have become corrupt and were worshiping other idols and filling the earth with injustice. So God desired his just reign of sacrificial love to be embodied through his people. But guess what? That wasn't happening. Israel wasn't being the embodiment of God on earth to be the light to the world. Right? Because they were doing injustice. They were thinking about selves as gods. And then, and then he, God, could no longer approach humanity through the limitations of human priests. So God no longer had a purpose through the priest. 
Because the whole purpose of the priest was to perhaps bring the holy presence of God and the sacrifice of God and love to the people of Israel and influence that to bring God's love to the rest of the world, but that wasn't working. Because there was injustice. And we see this in these different passages. We see this in Jeremiah 6.20. There are three passages, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. There are many passages, but I'll tell you a couple. Jeremiah 6.20 says, what used, to, what used to me is, again, remember, frankincense. Frankincense that comes from Shiva, which is far away. You, you make all these sacrifices to go to this faraway country that has the best frankincense. And, or, or sweet came from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me, was saying God. All these things that you now do, they're not pleasing to me. We see also that on Isaiah, but, but let's keep Isaiah. Let's do uh, Amos here. He says, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, remember that burnt offerings? Once a year. All these burnt offerings, right? And grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Because what was going on? Take away from me to the noise of your songs, the melody of your hearts, I will not listen. I don't care what you do. You're just an unjust people. You have become full of yourselves. Worshipping all these other things. And then he says, but let justice roll down like waters. And righteousness is like an ever-flowing stream. If there is no justice, if there is no God's intended community of sacrificial love, that is what justice is. If, it is, if there is no God's intended community and society of sacrificial love, then what is the point of you bringing me all these sacrifices? There's, it's not working no more. This whole mediator priest thing that you bring it's not working no more there's no point now so we see that that failed but then God had a plan he had Jesus to be the final priest because you know he wanted to dwell with us he did not give up we see that progression of God he's like you know what okay he had this plan he had this great plan of him becoming the embodiment of sacrificial love. So Jesus was a high, perfect, and final priest. We see this uh, on, on Psalm 110, uh, verses 4 to 5a. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, the Lord is at your right hand, it says. He's prophesying about this high priest, this forever priest. And this is, this is a, a quote that I found on, um, I don't know if it's here. Yeah, the gospel project. Not to be confused with the Bible project. Okay, the gospel project. So it says, the priesthood of Jesus, while comparable to earthly priests, was different because Jesus' priesthood was final. His principle is final because the sacrifice that he made on behalf of us was perfect. It was final because why, why it was perfect? Because he was sinless. He was sinless. And he was final. His priesthood, Christ's priesthood was final because the sacrifice he made on our behalf did not stay dead. It resurrected. 
All of these sacrifices that we see before Jesus, they were all died. So that's why they had to continue to do it every year, every, you know, all the time because, because it was limited. It was mortal. It was finite. But this one does not stay dead. Jesus resurrected. It was final because the sacrifice that he made on our behalf was God himself. If that doesn't blow your mind right now, I don't know what will. Here we are bringing these burnt offerings right to God and the priest will go and bring it. Please God forgive us. God, God had already come to the world through in the midst of a tabernacle, in the midst of the temple. He somehow are, it's, is filling certain prophets, certain priests coming into the world in some way. But here we are messing up, messing up, messing up. And then God is like, you know what? I'm going to be that sacrifice. I'm going I'm to be that lamb, that frankincense. I'm going to be that. I'm going to, and I'm just, and I'm not going to come as a ghost. I'm going to come as an actual lamb, as an actual human into the world. He himself became the ultimate priest and the ultimate sacrifice. He, the eternal lamb of God, sacrificed himself, rose from the grave, then sat down at the right hand of the Father, continuing to intercede for us, His followers. And with this, I'm going to finish. Last point here. Jesus declared Himself to be the High Priest. He, he declared Himself to be the High Priest. Now, listen to this. Matthew chapter 26, verses 57, 59 to 66, right? So we, we have the Magi came, gave these gifts to Jesus, the baby, baby Jesus, knowing that he was going to be the high priest through the gifts that represented that, where he was born among the sacrificial animals. He was destined to be sacrificed for us, for the sins of the world. Now, fast forward now. It says about when Jesus was about to be tried and to be put into death, right? Matthew is a, a, a story about Jesus, uh, a history about Jesus. And, and it says, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. Now the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin. Now you're, you're understanding now, like there's a priest, there's a temple, right? In Jesus's time. And then... They were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward, finally took him forward and declared, These fellows said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then, in verse 62, what it says? It says, Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high, priest said, the high priest again said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you're the Messiah, the anointed one, the high priest, the son of God. What did Jesus answer? He said, you have said so. Jesus replied. What did Jesus reply? But I say to all of you, is it here? Yeah. 
But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand and the and hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He had spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard of blasphemy. What do you think? What did they say? He's worthy of death. Now, what's going on here is that the high priest comes, tells you, are you like the anointed one, like the high priest that people talk about, the prophet, the, the king, you know, all these things they already knew, because but he's referring to, to the king, the high priest, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was prophesied. Are you that? And Jesus is like, yes. And guess what he said? He quotes Psalm 110. Remember Psalm 110? You are a priest forever. Jesus quotes that psalm, the beginning of the psalm. And we know back then when you quote the beginning of the psalm, you quote the whole psalm, not just the beginning. That's just a way of saying I'm quoting the whole psalm. Right? He quotes that verse 1 of the psalm. I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's like, I am the priest forever. So now Jesus is like, I'm actually the priest. That priest Forever, not just like you, like a high priest. I'm the priest forever that was prophesied on the order of Melchizedek. Now, furthermore, we see on, on verse um, uh, 7 here, 20 to 22, it's right before um, where Elena was, was actually um, talking about. It says that, that it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This made Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. This is right before our first, uh, the passage uh, that was written today. And so now, Jesus descends from Judah as a king to make the throne of David and descends from the order of Melchizedek as a priest to become the high priest, as argued by the author of Hebrews in chapter 7. But what is the whole point? That Christ's death, the curtain that separated us from the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom, and now we have direct access to him because now the priest became the ultimate sacrifice that we may have access to God freely. So, in a few words, if there's anything to say before we, we go into the next thing, is that sin separated us from God. God wanted intimacy with humanity. There was a sword between us and God because of sin. He approached humanity through the tabernacle and through the temple. The people of Israel deny that. Humanity denied that. There was injustice and God ultimately said, I am going to come down as an ultimate priest, the final priest and the sacrifice that, we, that that curtain could be torn. And we know that. When Christ died on the cross, and if you see in the story, uh, on the story of, of, of the Gospels, that it says that the curtain on the temple was torn from top to bottom. 
It was actually broken. There was an earthquake and it broke the curtain from top to bottom, now giving direct access between us and God. So what does this mean for us today? Well, what, what are we to make of the magic visit to Jesus, the final priest? Just talk about that. Talk about that. So, um, talk about that too. Come on. Too many notes here. Uh, so, our intimacy with God is now restored through Christ the high priest. The veil was torn from top to bottom. So what does this mean for us today, right? That, that's kind of like the question right now. And for that, I want to invite Kubi and Christina for just 30 seconds, if that's okay. Because um, this is, okay, if, there is, if everything that I said was like, oh man, I'm, I'm tired, I'm going to go to bed. Just watch this, okay? It's okay. It was 40 minutes of rest. But uh, just come, guys. Yeah, it's okay. Christina, don't worry. I, I won't put you in trouble. It's all good. So, um, so Kubi, can you stand over? Uh, or Yeah, can you stand over there? Can you look over to the wall? And Christina, can you stand over here? Is that okay? Yeah, all the way? Yeah, and just, just look towards the wall. Now, these are a married couple, okay? This is like the closest relationship you can have in human life. They're actually a couple, they're married, they have a son, they live together, okay? So, so, okay, so actually in scriptures we see how God talks about humanity or the church now as being him, the, the bridegroom and us as the bride, right? Is that, the, he wants that kind of intimacy with us. That's the kind of intimacy God wants with us, okay? So now, now, Let's pretend I'm like, kind of like a mediator, okay? A prophet, a priest, or a king, which we've been talking about these three weeks, okay? So I, I'm just gonna do this. I just want you to watch the kind of thing that's happening, okay? So I'm, I'm gonna come here. Say, uh, is there something you wanna say to me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> one second, one second. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be back. Um, um, this guy, Kubi, um, he says that he loves you. Um, he says that he loves you. Is there anything you want to say to him? I, I can, I, I represent you for, just let me know. What, do you want to respond something about him saying that he loves you? I love you too. I love you I know you, you haven't seen her face, you have never seen her, but he said, she says that she loves him, okay? All right. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat. Okay. So, so now, imagine. Now think about that. Okay. Now this is God. Now they can sit together. Do they, you know what I'm saying? Like, now that is broken. The curtain has been broken. We have that direct access now. Between as weird as that was, that's how it used to be. Now Jesus makes that kind of intimacy. Right there. So now, just reflect on this. And I, I think uh, Larry's not around. That's okay. Um, so, so maybe some of us uh, do not have a relationship with Jesus. This is your first time listening about these things. Um, but that's because we have set the barriers between us, ourselves, through sin. 
Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about the gospel, about Jesus. And he's now calling us to step into the holy of holies as we repent and move into his presence to dwell with him. So maybe this is the first time you hear the gospel. There is a barrier between you and God. And that's, there is no barrier from God because he was torn from the top to the bottom. There's no barrier now between you and God. Jesus already took care of that. Okay? But now, if this is the first time you hear about this Jesus thing, about this gospel thing, that God wants that relationship, that intimacy with you, then this is for you. There is this scene that we've set between, this wall that we've set between us and God. Now God has taken care of his part, the top to the bottom, but now we have to repent. So that that wall that we've set, that we've built, can be torn so that we can be in God's presence. So if that's you, I want you to reflect on that. I want you to perhaps even pray, God, I've, I've said, this is my first time hearing about this, all, but I've said this wall. Forgive me for putting this wall of sins between you and me. I repent that I may have a relationship with you. But, but maybe some of us do not have... Um, but maybe some of us, though now the sword and the curtain have been torn, right? There is these walls still. And we've heard about this gospel, but as I said in the beginning, the gospel needs to penetrate every area of our lives. But now we have these set curtains between God and us. That could be a relation, relationships, money, business, distractions, habitual sin, pride. There's all these things we've put a wall, distractions, even the city and, and people and financial security and, and even good things, like a relationship. That's what we want more than God now. That job I want more than God now. That security I want more than That vacation I want more than God. Feeding the poor, I want that more than God who wants that more than you anyways. So we want more for ourselves. And, and, and now there's this curtain that God wants you to just let go. So let me, let me pray as we reflect on this. Let's take a few, few moments and reflect on this. So God, I just pray your Holy Spirit, will you bring conviction, either if we are the first set of people just listening for the first time this gospel, or maybe not the first time, but it's the first time that we actually want to repent, acknowledging you as the Lord and Savior, Messiah, and the only God who came to the world, got his hands dirty, that we may have life. Both a just and a loving God. God, I pray we repent from running away from you, from our wrong being, we tore these walls and come to you. And, uh, and maybe we've heard this gospel many times, but we've constructed these walls. Of Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you're worried about stuff. Maybe it can be your children or your whatever. God, I pray revelation, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring that revelation that we may repent from those things. We repent in Jesus' name. So now, some might be asking, 
How do we dwell with God? How do we dwell with Him? Now that we've seen that progression of God trying to dwell with us. Maybe it's like, yeah, that's awesome, Pierre, but how do we do that in actuality? And this is why I encourage you to come back in January. <laughs> as we will be starting our 12 teaching series, um, where we'll be talking about how we as individuals and as a church can dwell with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we also dwell with one another together with Him, and as a result of this continual dwelling, we're called to leave this good news.